It does appear to be, uh, okay, um, all right, so I guess, uh, here we go. We still heard a video on, you'd see me dancing. <laughs> Such a jaunty song. This is the jauntiest gaming podcast in the nation. I know. <laughs> you don't hear ska on uh, History on the Table. <laughs> no, you don't. It's funny because you talk about ska and ska is ne like i'll never hear a song except for maybe just a couple and and know that it's ska but if someone says it's ska i'm like oh yeah that one is ska so it, it basically it's reggae with horns right uh, yeah well i've heard it has to do with the beat and yeah it's got a feel to it but i don't know what that is so i've heard it described as alternative with a horn section so i don't know I yeah. don't okay know. so that's really the uh, the the common denominator, denominator. There is is brass in a in a rock song, or true, yeah, dance song, I guess. So if you know the true definition of ska, it's chanceofgaming at gmail.com. Just let us know. I'm just curious. Hit us up for sure. There you go. This is the Chance of Gaming podcast. This is episode seventy five. Hey, that's Adam. And and with me always is uh, Richard and Roy. Hey, this is Rich. Hey, I'm Roy from West Michigan, where it's, uh, I don't know, it's the weather's um, agreeable, I guess. Yeah, it's probably like 109 in Mississippi, I'm guessing, Adam. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it is August. I have to say, this has been like one of the worst summers I can ever think of, <laughs> you know, global warming and whatnot, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's you, you just sweat constantly, and I don't really ever remember doing that. It's like yeah. in your regular, you're in a building that is air conditioning. You're sweating, you know. And of course, oh, instantly huh. when you walk outside, you're sweating. It's just sweat, sweat, sweat constantly. Yeah. So, you know. St. Louis has not been bad. We have not hit 100 this year. Um, I mean, it's we've had some warm days, but usually in St. Louis, we'll we'll get to 100 and over 100 a little bit, but we haven't done so yet. Yeesh. So uh, here in West Michigan, we've in the past couple of weeks, we've had a few mornings that have gotten to 59. Nice. Which holy hell, that's cold. Is, is I, well, that I mean, the high? yeah. No, it's like <laughs> when I'm in the morning when I go out to go to work, it's 59. Then I guess it's up up to about 80. Damn. But I, I I throw on a sweatshirt I because want, I I want to live yeah. there. It's yes. I just I'm ready to trade one extreme for another, please. You want to live there in August. I don't right? know that you want to live there in January. Mm. Oh well, we get a lot of uh, um, lake effect snow, yeah. so I have a I have a spare bed in my basement. So there you go. <laughs> Roy's come down to my basement. Roy, it's, it's really <laughs> dark. There's no light. It's okay. Come on. Did you tell anybody you're well? Coming? You know. I was going to offer that bed to a friend of mine that was going to come to visit, but I, I, I disinvited him. <laughs> and, and we'll get to that as to why. But you can probably guess as to why I disinvited him. Oh, I just assumed that you killed him, and now you're telling people that he never showed up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like totally Well, there was a fresh mound of dirt in my backyard, so... 
so uh okay we went over that it's episode 75 and yeah i guess we should talk about roy's prison wine oh yeah okay so well i'm gonna i'm gonna start this by talking about a book i'm hoping this was a trash bag behind the radiator no well it was uh I think I mentioned this before. I, I I made some. My wife had found a bunch of of Capri Suns that were expired, so I, <laughs> I I busted open all these Capri Suns. I'm looking at the package. It says no preservatives. So I I cracked open 50 bags of Capri Sun, and I poured them into a pot and heated them up to boiling, and then uh, cooled it and threw some yeast in it and threw it into my fermenter. So. <laughs> I have this lovely, lovely prison wine now. I guess if you want to call it that. Um, okay, I don't know. So what it's else it's to call a vintage it. August. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Oh my god. Sorry, what were you gonna say, Adam? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what else to call it. I think I feel like that's an accurate description. Cut open uh, Capri Suns. I, yep. I love how you boiled them to make sure it's okay. And I was mm-hmm. gonna say, like, well, you could also make a Capri Sun reduction if you, you know, if you wanted to, <laughs> to uh, as a little spice up your tacos or whatever. But um... mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, yeah, it's it's so it's pretty clear now. It was pretty cloudy when I first uh, bottled it, but it's it's probably I'm guessing about anywhere from five to eight percent alcohol, and it's oh. it's quite lovely. So it's like a and, beer. Yeah. So I was going to talk about to, to, to the the intro to the prison line. I'm going to talk about a book called Never Cry Wolf. Has anybody heard of the book called Never Cry Wolf? And there was a film too. Okay, um, I was absolutely fascinated by that uh, movie as a kid. And, oh really? Yes. Okay. And um, there are two things that have always stood out to me. All right, number one. Okay, this is a Disney movie. I, I want to make that clear that you guys understand this, that it's a Disney movie. Now, oh, is it? Yes, it is. I just, I read the book. Well, okay. Or listened to the book, actually. All right, I know this is it's distributed by Buena Vista and whatever, but this is like 83, 84, whatever it came out. It You know, it was pretty much, you know, this was Disney, and this was like on the Disney Channel and stuff like that. So two things... Okay, first of all, I, you know, I love the wolves and whatever. It's just fascinating. And it really, yeah, I still love wolves to this day. So, oh, um, there's there's dicks in it is what you're saying. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> it's there were two things that stood out to me as a kid. <laughs> is Number one, uh, the character eats a mouse on a cracker. Mm-hmm. Like, literally just puts the mouse on a cracker and eats it. And What the hell is this movie about and this book about? Okay, because we'll we got we got here talking about prison wine, and now we're talking about dicks and eating mice. Well, okay, hold on. Yeah, we'll get there. You I know, am so lost. Look, <laughs> you know how we do. This is Chance of Gaming. Remember, <laughs> this is a tabletop gaming podcast. So, of course, we're talking about dicks and eating mice on crackers. That's what because that's it is absolutely tabletop gaming adjacent. So, um, so. Two things that I always took out was the guy eating the mouse on a cracker and just somebody is like hanging dong in this movie. And I was like, just like, <laughs> wow, you know, just like, oh, my gosh, this was like, cine- you know, oh, my God, did I click over to Cinemax? Is this not the Disney Channel? That's Wang. 
So you know how like a psychologist will ask you what your earliest memory is? I think knowing that these are two of Adam's core memories sort of tells us something about him. Of that specific movie. That specific movie, okay. Well, I mean, there's three. It's like, I love wolves. This is really cool and all this. But it just bothered me. I mean, okay, if it was 84, I would have been eight years old. So, there, you know, eight years old. If it was 85, 86... 86, I would have been 10. Say it actually came out on the Disney show. Because I certainly didn't see this in theaters. I saw it on uh, television. So, yeah. So, so the film has Brian Dennehy. So was it Brian Dennehy's schlong, schlong that you saw? Oh, well, I don't know. And but what if it was a, oh. uh, what if it was a stunt wang? You know, I, mean, I don't know. Did, did Brian Dennehy ever hang Don? I don't know. Let's, let's, all right. Let, oh my! You know, we have this thing. We can we can check it out. Let's see. I, I gotta actually see this movie because I. Oh. All right, we're gonna live. We're gonna live. Ever read this. the book? As Brian Dennehy is spelled. <laughs> ever. You might want to do this in incognito mode. Nude. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. A to Z nude. Nude man. Let's click on Brian Dennehy. The director's cut of Tommy Boy. All right. Uh, so let's Adam Zen. We'll we'll talk about what. Ah, uh, looks like he's just shown butt in Semi Tough <laughs> in 1977. So there you go. So it was obviously not Mr. Dennehy, who is it a was, very well respected stunt, actor. Stunt wang. It could have yep. been a stunt wang. I don't know. <laughs> Can I say so Oscar never... winning? Oscar winning? Did he? Has he won anything? Probably not. There, he did a movie called The River Rat, which I vaguely remember. I think uh, was um, who else was in that? Um, who's the um, shit? Who's who's the guy that was Two Face that wasn't uh, Billy D. Williams? Oh, you talking about the Batman movie? Yeah, you're talking yeah. about uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Yes, was he was he in the The River Rat with uh, Brian Dennehy? Maybe not. I don't know. Tangent. Let's just say yes. I don't Brian know. Dennehy okay. has two Tonys, an Olivier, and a Golden Globe. No Oscars. What is an Olivier? Okay. Man, we're really going down the rabbit trail hard this show. <laughs> okay. This is what happens when we take a month off. Look, I swear we'll talk about Advanced Squad Leader soon. Just hold it's on. It's going to be a nine-hour show. Oh, uh, Society it. of London Theater Awards. Hold on, Mitch. We're going to get there. We're going to talk about Advanced <laughs> Tobruk System. Stick with us. <laughs> So, uh, okay, you. I want to tell you, all right, if you look at his Wikipedia, and th- he is in, like, a million television films, and, uh-huh. again, you talk about your earliest memory from childhood or whatever, the one um, TV movie I remember him in was, like... Oh, he was in um, First Blood. He was the... Oh, shit, the, yes! He was the, the dick the, sheriff. The, the, shitty, the shitty sheriff, yeah. The one that started it. I didn't start this. He started it. He drew first blood. <laughs> yep, uh, that's the one. So uh, we were just talking about the movie last night. The the <laughs> one dumb movie I remember him in being in television was he. Uh, it was a autobiographical biographical movie about Three's Company, about the making of it and the you know the people behind the scenes and whatnot. And so oh, wow. that, that was a new that was a movie we needed. That, I, I, I don't even know what it, the name of it. I don't see it offhand on here or, or whenever, but yeah, I just remember. Anyway, geez, Louise. Oh, well, go, okay, Why do you so get off Wang Adjacent is um, 
John Ritter, there's an episode where you see his 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 uh, his yam bag. <laughs> we'll just say. All right, is this like six degrees of Wang? You know, <laughs> it's like anyway. I don't know, no, no, no. It's uh, it's weird. All right, so, so Brian Dennehy was in a movie called Never Cry Wolf. Did, I'm sorry, did you have something to add, Adam? Uh, no. I ne- oh. no, nothing good. <laughs> Which is based no. on a book that Roy read. Yes, by a guy by the name of Farley Mowat, who was a biologist who was commissioned by the Canadian government to go up to the Kiwatin Barrens of northern Canada and study wolves. So is this a true story then, the, yes. the original? Okay. Yep. Uh-huh. So he um, – and so the, this is all going back to prison line. So we're, what, we're three, four – Five degrees of separation from prison wine to Brian Dennehy in Never yep. Cry Wolf. Okay. But now we're going backwards down the rabbit yes. trail to get back to the main trail. You it, it took us you ten minutes you. to get here, by the way. So in the book, he talks about how he um, his jumping off point. He went to a bar and he talked about the the bartender at the bar he went to said, "Well, since he's going to go study wolves, maybe he might like to try some wolf juice." Well, what is wolf juice? He said, well, that's the local moosehead beer mixed with uh, some brand of whiskey. And so he um, – part of his supplies, he was he was given some grain alcohol that he could um, preserve specimens in. Well, he found out that if he mixed the grain alcohol with the moosehead uh, beer – he made a, a brand or a, a strain of wolf, wolf juice that, in his words, was positively ambrosial. Hmm. So that's the phrase that I'm applying to the prison wine that I've made, because it is, I must say, it is posit- positively ambrosial. Okay. So <laughs> we told you, we told you all of that to tell you this. So here we are. Ambrosial. Really, we just wanted an excuse to Google whether. Brian Dennehy and ever hung dong, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I like Moosehead beer. I really do. It's one of those in the green bottle, so it's the, the skunky type beer. I dig it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But Okay, so now so we're we're going one one degree farther to say that um I have a friend by the name of John and he would really enjoy this movie. Um but I you know, I would encourage him to watch it or read the book. But he's unvaccinated and choose, is choosing not to get vaccinated. So I don't know. You know, he'd love it unless he's dead now. <laughs> that, that went dark. It took us like 12 minutes to get really dark. It did. It I don't know. I mean, it, so I had, to, I had to uninvite this friend of mine to visit me because, like, I don't know. I was talking with him back and forth well you know we could do this when you come we could do this when you come or we could do this other thing oh by the way you're vaccinated right no and i don't plan to be i said well i'm sorry i have to uninvite you so all right what okay if he didn't plan to be that's okay see you missed your chance roy when he got so he cannot hang out you should have ambushed him and vaccinated him they need to sell the Johnson and Johnson vaccine in the dart yeah Yeah, exactly that's what the base was for yeah it should be a dart like you can put in those guns and just oh my gosh I'm vaccinated 
I don't know. It's, I, I plan on, on, on tagging him later and saying, hey, listen to this. And I don't know, man. I This yeah. is me speaking directly to John. Please get vaccinated because, I don't know, why would you needlessly endanger yourself and everybody around you? I yeah, because now around. he can't hang out with you or Jennifer Aniston. Mm, yeah, I heard that. Well, wait. Yeah. Was she? What's her deal? She no, said, same thing. She said she's not. She's cut everyone out that's not vaccinated. Yeah. So well, there's a for, lot of people that had a chance to date her, and they've lost that chance now. Wait, oh wait, you say that I have a chance? Yeah, because you're vaccinated. Oh, all right. <laughs> so the fact that I'm married doesn't. Uh, doesn't she didn't say anything me. about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I don't know. That's what I had to say about Never Cry Wolf. All right, what about, like, uh, Carolina Reaper salsa? Okay, so have you guys ever heard of Carolina Reaper peppers? I've heard of them. I don't don't think I've had them. Uh, I know there's, like, a whole scale. I think the hottest I've ever had was ghost peppers. Are these those hotter than ghost peppers? They are. Well, I don't know. Those things sound like something that would hurt to eat twice. Yes. They're, well, so, like, twice, right? Yep. I tasted them, and I wrote on the lid, I said, contains pain. <laughs> they are astonishingly hot. So I was at a farm stand in, of all places, Story City, Iowa, which is a dinky little town just north of, well, it's about an hour north of Des Moines. And uh, this farm stand called Slim's Country Market. And they had Carolina Reaper salsa, which... I will tell you is astonishingly hot salsa. So I, I got these, I got this jar of salsa over uh, July 4th and it's good gravy. It's hot. Now I like hot stuff, you know, but I, uh, you know, I don't want to get like extreme thing. And it, yeah. in my limited experience, stuff that has uh, the higher end peppers and whatever is very vinegary too. And I, I don't like that. So, you know, just, and at some point, it's not spice; it's just pain. Yeah. Yes. Or it's it's yep. more like bragging to your friends that you ate it. Yeah. So. I don't. Know. It's it's. I, I enjoy it, and I put some on my burrito that I ate just a little bit ago. Yeah. Um, and it's. I don't know. It's 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 hot stuff. Yeah, I like stuff like that on eggs. Oh I yeah. Like e- for sure. I like eating eggs, but they're bland by themselves, so mm-hmm. spice them up. Oh, absolutely. So. So, Adam, tell us about Siege of Vicksburg. Um, I guess, uh, well, other than me suddenly worrying about COVID, you know, now that the shit has hit the fan in the past two weeks. I'm really worried that things are going to start getting canceled again. Oh, fuck, man. I thought I was safe. We had vaccines. It was so far in the year. I did this, like, in January, and I'm like, oh, we should should be good. Oh, fuck. But again, people won't get vaccinated. (sighs) Look, I really think... John? So... End of September, Adam? Uh, October. When is it? October. Uh, okay, October. Yeah, Got it. It's the second half of October. Fuck. Uh, you may be okay. Maybe man. we'll... Who knows? Anyway, you know, I don't want to just jump on that tangent or whatever. Anyway, so I'll just move to the next thing. All right. Been watching some things, and number one, it's been sitting in my queue for, I swear, a year and a half. I finally sat down and watched Doom Patrol. And it may be the greatest thing ever. Uh, they really should back a truck up 
full of Emmys to Brendan Fraser's house and just dump them all out on his uh, front lawn. He is amazing in this series. Boy, I, you're talking Frazier. about Encino Man, right? Uh, no, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol <laughs> it is a DC original that is on HBO Max. And wow. wherever else you might find it, it is... I remember when it came out, it attracted my attention because people were like, holy shit, I cannot believe they are making that comic into a TV show. So I was like, okay, what do you mean? And look it up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this comic is fucking crazy. It's published... I thought for sure that, that Brendan Fraser went into the, uh, the the bunker from Blaster in the Past and just stayed there. Oh, I've never... I didn't realize he was doing stuff anyway. Yeah, me neither. And apparently he's had some health issues and whatever. And yeah, and this is what he this is what he's currently doing. And he's amazing in it. Utterly amazing. This the whole thing. I have laughed. I've cried. It is hysterical. It's very moving. It's very sad. But it is very strange. It is a very strange comic. To how strange is it, Adam? I'm like, okay, one of how the, strange is it, Adam? One of the reoccurring characters is a sentient, genderqueer street. So there you go. Street, street, street. A sentient, genderqueer street named Danny, and uh, yeah. Oh, Alan Tudyk is in it and just fucking chewing up the scenery the whole time. Is he is amazing? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in with Alan Tudyk. It's, it, look, it is a crazy, crazy ride. And it takes about three episodes to get up the hill, and then it's just downhill from there. And up, well, I don't want to say that downhill is bad. Uh, it, go, it starts going in about three episodes and is amazing. And it just keeps going, getting more and more amazing. So, yay. Uh, past that, I was the news uh, do you have a question about Doom Patrol? no i was just i was i was commenting i was exclaiming but, uh, yes it's amazing but yeah it's bizarre yeah <laughs> uh the new suicide uh i almost said suicide kings which is a fantastic movie too but the new suicide squad is amazing loved it uh i love the first one so i'm kind of biased i did not like uh the harley quinn birds of prey thing I just, I mean, I just didn't. I mean, no particular reason mm-hmm. why. I just didn't think it was very good. Uh, this one is amazing. John Cena is fantastic in it. And, uh, yeah. Ertis so Alba, what does John Cena do? He is Peacemaker in it, which is a decent, you know. They throw these characters in there that you've never heard of. And you like, mm-hmm. you look them up and you're like, who is this? And I'm like, oh, okay. Like mm-hmm. Weasel and... Yeah, he's Peacemaker, and yeah, so it's the thing. So who plays Harley Quinn? Oh, is it, uh, what's her name from, uh, um... Margot oh, Robbie, shit. isn't that it? Yeah. Yeah, she's been doing it, and... Is uh, it her? Okay, yeah. cool. And then the chick that plays Viola, uh, Viola Davis is fantastic in this, very menacing. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's really, really good, so recommend it. So I'm going to plug another podcast here. I'm going to talk about a podcast called Imaginary Worlds. There was a, a episode recently about Harley Quinn where they did a um, an interview with uh, the it's a was a husband and wife creator of or not creator but um, writer of some of the comics. So that was uh, Imaginary Worlds. So he just talks about I don't know the fantasy and sci-fi and and uh, imaginary worlds and how we create them and and how we suspend our disbelief. 
stick the uh, episode number on there, and I'll uh, sure. link it in the show notes. Interestingly I enough, okay, I you know I I'm old and not a huge comic guy, but the I know this little piece of trivia: Harley Quinn was not created in the comics. She was created for one of the Batman cartoons, and she became 1982. She became such a success. They brought her over to the comics. So, just thought that was mm-hmm. interesting. So, anyway. Alright, so I see here on this thing that somebody watched Ted Lasso. And I just want to say... Ted Lasso. Yes, I, go I, ahead. I gave him a shot. Everybody says it's awesome. Uh, I guess so. It's just not for me. I think I gave it You're a dissenting opinion? I mean, I'm not saying anything, anything bad about it at all. Okay. It's just, just not for me. I, I think I gave it yeah. three or four episodes and was just like, hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. I will say, Adam, you are the first person I've heard that hasn't liked it. I know. I know. And, yeah. Just, yeah. So, to me, every character, like, every character feels genuine. And every character is likable except for one. And that is Rupert. Um, <laughs> the the ex-husband of of uh, Rebecca, the owner. Okay. Because he's just a complete, well, bell end, we'll say. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I'm i like, I'm several degrees separated from having any interest in this show. Because I'm not English. I don't give a crap about sports. And I, and I even more don't give a crap about soccer. But every, I don't know, it's... It's so charming, and it's as far as you know. There's plenty of language in it, so it's not really, really not for kids. Um, but I really dig it because Ted is so constantly positive. It's a part of what I like about it. So I get that, you know, and he's very. It's one of those what I would call kind of open characters where he's just like, this is me. I'm open. I'm honest. I'm positive. And yeah, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. it just wasn't for me, but I'm yeah, glad you like I it. really dig it. And, uh, it's on, is it Apple TV? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. What else is good on Apple TV? Uh, C. So let's talk about C here a little bit. I told you about um, that, right? It was, was did it, you, was it me? I feel like we talked about this, and uh, maybe I don't know. Anyway, I love it. I love C, and the second season is coming out. Yes. So, um, uh, and I've I'm only about maybe three, two episodes deep on that. Um, and so I'm yeah, I've yet to kind of digest all of it. But I did want to point out that. Um, Okay, so I'm going to tell a story about my stepbrother by the name of Marty. So Marty is or was a lifeguard in Norwalk, Iowa. So who else is from Norwalk, Iowa? Jason Momoa and Brandon Ralph. I thought he was from Hawaii. Well, so he was originally from Hawaii, but he lived in Norwalk, Iowa um, for most of his childhood. So my my brother Mar- or stepbrother Marty was a lifeguard at the Norwalk. So just for context, Norwalk, Iowa is just south of Des Moines. Um, my my stepbrother was a lifeguard there in Norwalk, and he and I asked him recently. I said, "Did you ever know 
him being around town, Jason Momoa? He said, yeah, I when I was a lifeguard, he would be kind of roughhousing around the pool and I'd make him do push-ups for, for being, for being you know, basically acting like a jackass around the pool. So my stepbrother made Aquaman do push-ups. <laughs> so he's responsible for his success and his it could physical be, yeah. excellence. Yeah. And I uh, just wanted to point out, too, that uh, Brandon Routh, who played uh, Sp- uh, Superman in the – it was kind of a iffy film, but whatever um, – is also from Norwalk. So um, uh, my stepbrother also knows Brandon Routh. So I'm I'm three degrees of separation from Jason Momoa and Brandon Routh. Oh, nice. Cool. <laughs> uh, what have you been playing, Roy? I've been playing... So, okay, so I just started recently getting back onto Board Game Arena to play Terra Mystica. Um so I, I believe I've talked before about my friend Dana that passed away recently. Well, as he's he's still on my friends list from Board Game Arena. And so I nostalgically click on his profile as his last on two months ago. So that that kind of stings. But anyway, um, the, one of the last games I played with him was Terra Mystica on Board Game Arena. So I'm, I'm playing with our other friend. And the link I've posted is to the actual game that we've been playing. Um so yeah, I've been playing more Terra Mystica recently, um, and then um, uh, Critical Role Munchkin, which so okay, m- more stories. I have the one of our game night friends has a daughter whose boyfriend is, um, so he's twenty four, I think, twenty twenty two. I'm not sure. Um, and is very recently into D&D and has become like super enamored of D&D. He's the DM of his um, the, the school where he's studying at or the I guess the head of the D&D club um, and just is a, a somewhat recent convert to D&D and has his own world that he's been working on and so, like, I was at a gathering with him recently. I said, so do you, like, use any kind of published scenario? He says, no, it's all it's all homebrew. Um, so I don't know. It's uh, – I, I, I hearken back to being that young and being that entranced with Dungeons and & Dragons and, you know, role-playing games and that sort of thing. And I kind of look on it with a little bit of nostalgia that I, I wish I could be kind of back in that um, era of wonder, I guess, as a as a brand new D and D player. But anyway, he is a so he's a friend, a, a fan of D and D, and he's a big fan of Critical Role. So he brought when he came to game night this past Friday, he brought Critical Role Munchkin. So we played Munchkin with uh, the Critical Role version, which uh, you guys have played Munchkin before, right? Once, yes. Okay. And it, is that the is that the game that that felt like a five hour root canal to you? Rich? Yes. Uh huh. Okay. I have played it once, and I will go to my grave saying I played it once. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so we played four player Munchkin. How many did you play? Um, I'm gonna say seven, maybe. Yeah, I think it was seven. It was okay. Yeah, a full table. Yeah. 
that's they they should have they should put little warnings on the on the instructions and yeah don't do this <laughs> so four player munchkin was was manageable although the first turn so i was player two for the player one took a i don't know maybe half an hour because we were kind of feeling our way through the rules and so this was um uh the uh so okay i'm just gonna describe names here so Liam was the the guy that's the, the fan of D and D and you know the kind of the the Age of Wonder D and D player, and so his girlfriend Aaron was player one. So Liam was player four. So we kind of waited our way through Aaron's turn, reading rules and kind of hammering it all out. So it was me and another guy that had played Munchkin several times. So we're kind of helping these these two newbies. So it's me and the two old guy, me and the other old guy, against the two two kids, um, playing Munchkin. So once we got through her turn, then we were kind of off to the races. So I don't know. It was it was fine. I would play it again, but I yeah, I would never play it with more than <laughs> than four people. So. Critical role Munchkin. They have Munchkin for like everything now. They I, do. I for swear, sure. there's like a chance of gaming Munchkin. I just don't know about it. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Um, I bet it exists. Copyright. So, did the theme make it any better for you? I mean, to the to point that there are a million versions of it, or is well, it just the artwork is much much better? Yeah. And so, if you remember, um, if you're going to do an attack. Or if you're gonna if you're gonna fight the monster that's behind the door, mm-hmm. I think in in Vanilla Munch can you roll a d6, right? I don't or remember. A, okay. Well, yeah, there were dice, roll, it's a d20. Yeah. I thought maybe so, it was a d10, but it, I don't okay. remember. Yeah, it was. I don't know. It was fine. It's um, yeah. It's I mean it's pretty much Munchkin, but the artwork yeah. is much nicer, and you know the. Um, I, you know, if you're a fan of Critical Role, all of those um, cards have a meaning to them. Uh, right. So there was one card that I, I played. It was, I don't, I forget the name of it, but I, I play it, and Liam goes, "Oh, well, that's a that's a, a smut novel from from that that realm." <laughs> so it's like some kind of tawdry, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, in in fiction. A pulp novel, yeah. yeah. Like the lusty Aragonian and the Skyrim games. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So, I don't know. It was fine. Uh, I would play it again. Even even more than once, probably. So, before that, we played a game called Patrician, which is set in Italy. And you are um, building towers. So, there's all these different cities in Italy. And you play a card... And it may have, so it'll have a particular color on it, which can, corresponds to a city. And so, if you play, let's say Verona, you play the Verona card, you put a tower on the Verona city, and then you pick up the card that's next to it, and then that card goes into your hand. So you have a hand of three cards uh, throughout the game, and you're trying to build your towers up and make them um, taller than your opponents. So it's a fairly light game. It's a card game, but there's the the um, the pieces are kind of cool, and it's um, 
I would call it a filler game. It could certainly be a coffee shop game, as we've called it. Um, so that's uh, Patrician, which uh, is a Mayfair game, I guess. Boy, is Mayfair any, around anymore? I don't think they are. Um, I do not know. Mayfair. I know it, you, you see their games all the time, but I don't know if it's all old stuff or not. Yeah. Didn't they do um, uh, Puerto Rico? Was that Mayfair? Uh, that might be Rio Grande. Oh, yeah, and... you're right. It, it is. It is the Rio Grande. Okay, yeah. So then, finally, I've been playing some uh, D&D online uh, via Roll20. Mm-hmm. And um, we're playing in the Midgard setting from Kobold Press. Um, so that's kind of... When it was first described to me, I said, so it's Discworld, which you, you guys know Discworld from Terry Pratchett. Right. Okay. So it's it's in so it's a it's a it's a flat world on a disc. So like you know, is if you go out to the edges, it's all ice or whatever, which is kind of beside the point. But um, so Midgard is a setting that's kind of based in um, uh, Eastern European myth. Um, so it draws a lot of. Um, I guess Nordic and Eastern European uh, folklore into the setting. So I've been playing Midgard D and D, and we're recently going to start switching over from. So all of our messaging has been via Facebook, which I'm not a fan of because um, I hate Facebook. Yeah. So I I threw it out recently. I said, "What do you guys think about Discord?" So I threw it out to the DM. He's he, so he's been looking at it over the past week, and he says, "I like this. I think we'll we'll switch over to this." Discord's so that's nice. going to be yeah. I found that a lot of my communication platforms have merged onto Discord, which is nice because you got them all in one place, but they're all still separated. And yeah. So anyway, we're gonna. I think we're gonna make that that jump away from Facebook to Discord. So I'm pleased about that. Well, uh, so that's what I've been playing. Well, um, Richard, what seems like we ran into each other recently at uh, yeah historic I got, uh, KC Fest. Where I got to see you last weekend, have a few drinks with you, have some meals with you. We never played a game together, which is partially my fault. I think I came back from dinner too late and didn't realize you were leaving early the next morning. So that's no uh, we got to hang. Yeah, but it was fun. We got to we hung out and talked shit about Matt the whole time. Like, yeah, look, I didn't get invited. Look at him over there. You were invited. <laughs> I know. Uh, so yeah, the town of St. Louis was lovely, Rich. Thanks for having me in your in your city. Um, that's where we were, right? Yeah, we were in West St. Louis. Look, I looked everywhere for that stupid arch, and I didn't see it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let me tell you the very first thing. The very first person. I ran into at historic Casey Fest. It's my hotel was next door. I walk over to the thing. There's like one other guy standing outside this room. After I found it, it took me forever to figure out where it was. It was like in ballroom C. Yeah. And every time I saw the thing ballroom, all I thought was that song ballroom blitz. But you know, anyway, mm-hmm. by sweet, I think is the name of it. Anyway, ah. Uh... And yeah, the very first person I run into, um, 
that would be the creator of uh, Next War Korea. Mitchell Lane. I know that guy. I know. Ran into him. They say, don't meet your heroes, but it's not <laughs> true. It's not true. It was great. Uh, the first thing I said, he was like, hey, uh, Mitchell Lane. I'm like, Adam Chance. I'm like, I talk about you a lot. He goes, I know. <laughs> and i was like oh shit you actually listen oh, no. you actually listen to the show oh man look i just run my whole life thinking no one listens to it so i could just say whatever i want so yeah it was pretty funny he did say some funny stuff like he's like yeah i'll yeah, listen. wait till he meets steve jackson i know he's like, motherfucker come over here uh uh it he uh he said he'll be like on the treadmill or whatever listening to our show and he's like I'll hear Richard say something incorrect about a game and I'll immediately text him and say no Richard yep. that was does. that was wrong <laughs> I'm like so yeah I got a kick out of that so uh speaking of Mitchell Land I uh, looked at Next War Korea that whole thing was kind of a thing that okay you guys had Next War Con in which you guys were playing one giant game of it, yes? Right. We played a combined game. We called it Next War Asia, but it was combined Next War Vietnam, Next War Taiwan, and Next War Korea. We played all three of those at the same time. And holy shit, that was a really, really big setup. Um, Yeah, it was amazing. It was fun. Yeah, I'm afraid uh, my attention deficit disorder kicked in. <laughs> and after like it was like five hours we spent setting up Next War Korea and still hadn't started. So yeah, I kind of noped out of it uh, a bit. It looks really nice, and everyone was very impressed with the photos I took of this giant map. And I mean, I was too. Technically, it's two maps put together, but it was the entire uh, for Korea. Yeah. Yes, Korea is a two mapper. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the entire Korean peninsula. Taiwan and Vietnam are both one map games, but they also have a separate sea map that shows the entire sea area. But what we did is we took the one sea map from the Vietnam game, and that was the sea map for all three of the the you know Korea, Taiwan, and Vietnam games. Because obviously you don't need three C maps. It's that's the point of tying all the games together. Which um, I was fascinated by that game because it's a, in comparison, it's a smaller map. But also I've honestly never looked at Taiwan on a map, so I had no idea that it's kind of like Australia and most of the livable area or or most densely populated areas are around the coast. So that was kind of interesting to see. You know. Yeah. Just obviously see. much much smaller but yeah oh, like yeah. the three major cities are all on one side yep and so just watching that you were playing that you know because you know the chinese are coming over they have to land it's like you know d-day and yeah so just interesting to see that was kind of neat uh other than that mitch uh took me under his wing to indoctrinate me into advanced tobrick system the uh the sworn enemy of advanced squad leader (laughs) (laughs) which yeah and you were playing right there with last hundred yards too we could have had a battle royale Uh, it's like i never got over okay but dear lord don't let me forget to talk about uh uh mike uh mike denson (laughs) Uh, we'll get to that in a minute because he made me laugh so fucking hard um all right so ats was I really, really enjoyed playing it because it's, I mean, it, just from my perspective, my ignorance, whatever, 
my lack of experience, it was much less complicated, but still had that same flavor to it, you know, whereas I'm running, you know, a squad and I'm trying to accomplish these objectives, it's on a small map, and I, I really, really dug that, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will say ATS is a good game. I mean, I've never said a bad word about ATS. ASL is my preferred game, but I've never said anything bad about ATS. In fact, the one thing that ATS really has going for it from a newcomer's perspective is that you can buy like a single ATS scenario pack or whatever, and it's got everything you need to play in it. With ASL, you've got to buy the rule book first and then the first major module. And, and then you're already, I mean, you're $200 in, and there's a lot there, but... If you want to own ASL, you're you're looking at a minimum of two hundred bucks. All right, he says that. However, I've been I've been corresponding <laughs> with my close personal friend Mitchell Land, and trying to figure out like, all right, Mitch, because I don't get this. What what do I need to get? And he's like, okay, first of all, you need to understand Critical Hits website is disorganized at best. You know, and I'm like maybe utter shit at, at worst, and that's my words. And uh, it's it's really really difficult to kind of figure it out. It's like you know, first you need the rule book, like ASL, whatever. But okay, say I want to get into ASL. I'm sorry, a ATS ATS, yeah. And I want to do it in Africa, and I start like kind of poking around, and they have like some smaller linked games uh Rom rommel fox strikes back whatever and there's like four of those but however if you look at them they say you still need the original ats counters to do it and just like ah, eh, that's a pain in the ass so what is actually recommended is the ats uh box set which is like msrp is like 200 bucks and every Friday, Critical Hit comes out with like a 30% off or better, whatever, coupon. And so that's how I ordered the rule book for it. And uh, so, okay. so, I mean, that would bring your $200 ATS thing down to 140 So, I mean, it's, it's still kind of a thing. Now, one thing I was going to ask you, Richard, um, I don't understand. If you go over to criticalhit.com, they have ASL Comp. What is that? Uh, it's probably ATS modules that they have made that you can play with the ASL rules and counters. Okay. That's my guess. Okay. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Uh, yeah, I was just curious. Uh, well, yeah, because it says ownership of the ASL RB, yeah. which is ASL rulebook, is required yep. to play these products, as well as any modules providing nationalities, A25, that are involved in whatever. Although I was really interested that uh, ATS has like they go from like Civil War, uh, American Civil War, all the way up to moderns, and so that's kind of really neat because uh, they have a pretty robust World War One uh, thing, and I'm very very interested in that. So yeah, you know if you kind of just so yes is is ATS like the GURPS of wargaming? I don't know. Not really. I think they've just taken their system and expanded it further than asl and okay. mmp are, are willing to do i mean mm. asl they did do the korea module so korean war but really you're not talking about that big a difference from world war ii to korea obviously not nothing like the difference between u.s civil war and vietnam so right yeah but then i haven't played those either i don't think it's it that's their intention is to sort of make it you know generic universal i think they have just done it and i have no idea 
how well it translates because I haven't mm. played those. Okay. Which reminds me, okay, this is the joke I made at Historic KC Fest. I'll make it here so you can all enjoy. All right. So the reason why ASL things are always, uh, the things that are out of print, stay out of print for so long, is this, in my humble opinion. That is, there's a guy at MMP, and he has, a little, he has his little notebook in his hand, and it's a list of things that need to be reprinted, but um, he's standing outside of Kurt Schilling's office, and he's going to wait until Kurt stops ranting and raving. Kurt Schilling, the baseball guy? Yep. Yeah. And and as soon as he stops ranting and raving, he'll go in and say, okay, Kurt, can you sign off here so we can reprint these things? And so that's why it takes so long. That's my joke. Mm. So, anyway. Uh, The other things I played, I was this uh, amazing thing, um, and I found this by there were two uh, kind of non- board game guys there at least that i saw i've seen them at like board game geek con and stuff like that so i know they play like a lot of euros or whatever i'm gonna call them normies so they were there you know (laughs) that were playing like regular stuff and they had this game that caught my eye and it's called wings for the baron and i was like wow this is really cool they're like well we're gonna play it later and so sure enough i went to eat and came back and they were like are you ready to play and i'm like hell yeah show me how to play this and Wings of the Baron is published by Victory Point Games. This version I played. This is the second edition. It was published in 2015. And it's... Okay, and again, this is my ignorance, my inexperience talking. I will say it is a Euro game that has a war game theme. And it works. It's like basically you are a company in Germany during World War One, trying to make airplanes, trying to make good airplanes oh. to, to win the war. And uh, it was a hell of a lot of fun. I would love to own this game. I mean, Dummy Me picked it up, like, really easy. And I thought it was very, you know, complex and interesting. It had a lot of different ways you could, you know, maneuver and whatnot. Like you had a great technology tree that what that I understood, you know. So that's big to me. Is like I understood it, and you know, I could do it and I could play it, and yeah, it's just a lot of fun. You ever so heard? it's war game adjacent. Yes, that's that's what okay. I would say. And right. uh, have you cool. ever heard of this one, Richard, at all? No, I haven't. Yeah, but uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, looking at the board game geek page that you'll see links in the show notes. They have a video review from the Discriminating Gamer, and I see where the Discriminating Gamer, at least in six years ago, was trying to break into uh, Tom Vessel uh, Fedora territory and had had his own hat. So I don't <laughs> he know. He probably got sued. Yeah, he's, yeah, he just he's got a different hat there and stuff like <laughs> that and whatever. Anyway, so uh, look, I really like this game. And so I immediately, you know, I'm telling my friend Chris, I'm like, this game is awesome, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, what sucks is, is like Victory Point Games kind of went out of business, and they got bought by somebody. And so you can't technically get a copy of this game right now. There has been, like, rumors of, like, maybe they'll do a Kickstarter for a reprinting or whatever, but yeah. I know you guys don't ever hear me talk, you rarely talk about, oh, I played a game, and you know, it was good, and this is it, but yeah, it kind of sucks, and I'm like, play this one, guys, and yeah, it's 
currently out of print. I'm trying to see, yeah, Board Game Geek doesn't have any listings right now, and uh, yeah, so. But it was a lot Gosh, of fun. I thought you were going to say we really talk about Kickstarter. <laughs> no, 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 no. When it, <laughs> when it comes to Kickstarter, you'll see me talk about it, and I'll be like, back this, guys, because it comes with all kind of fancy um, stretch goals, like, a you know, an inflatable Snoopy, Red Baron, and some other stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, look, it was a lot of fun. I really, really liked it, and I tried my best, but I did not win. You, you know, it was, you do, yeah, I just dug it, so, yeah. And uh, since I rarely ever mentioned that, I was going to toss it on here. And past that, I running into a tabletop gaming is the name of the uh, the shop there in Kansas City. It's a really nice shop. Eh, kind of sucks that yeah they're at MSRP, but whatever. Um, it's a big shop. They had a lot of stuff on the shelf, a lot of Kickstarters on the shelf, and they had. Well, so you went there. Yep. Yeah, they had free blades on the shelf. We've talked a little bit about them in the past. I've been fascinated by them as a little fantasy skirmish game. Uh, you know how I like things, and uh, yeah, apparently the guy that created free blades actually lives in Kansas City, and so he like runs a league there and all this stuff. So they had the stuff on the shelf. So I bought a couple of starters for it. And I uh, went online and bought the living... You can buy the living rule book for this game for like 10 bucks. So, uh, and then that should be like the only rule book you need. And so, yeah. Anyway. Thought that was kind of neat. And, uh, yeah. Oh, the other thing I liked about them was... They had a lot of OSR, old school renaissance, or old school role playing stuff on the shelf. Stuff that you would normally get from uh, Exalted Funeral or whatever. But they also had a used section that had, like, 2nd edition D&D modules and shit like that and whatever. And so that was kind of neat. And uh, so there you go. The only... Yeah, they had a nice selection of everything in the store. Yeah, it was really good. And I actually yeah. ate lunch there the day I left. Or, well, the day before I left, the Saturday before, because I left early Sunday morning. And uh, it was so, pretty good. Yeah. So... I'm sorry. Go, go, continue. I was just going to say. Want to add on. Their food theme was for sandwiches and stuff like <laughs> that is waffle themed. So anything you got that would have had a carbohydrate on it is a waffle, and so that's yeah. It's got, it's heavily waffled. I think literally everything <laughs> in there is waffles. <laughs> I mean, I get that. I mean, that's cool. It was branding, but I mean, it doesn't. I mean, it wasn't bad. Like, I got a Philly cheesesteak. And, of course, you know, this is... Uh, am I in Texas? No. Where have you... Was it Kansas or Missouri? I don't even know. You kind of jump back and uh, forth. That was in Kansas. It's this weird place. This weird place, like, you know, the four corners where you're in four states at one time in the southwest. Well, that's mm -hmm. what I felt like. I was in Kansas and Missouri, every other street. I didn't know where I was. It was frightening. Midwest people scare me. So, I would... Their bread, which was this waffle, which was like really thick, and it was their version of Philly cheesesteak. But I mean, what the hell do I know? I'm from Mississippi. Was actually uh, waffle. Like, yeah, it was really good, but it was more bread-like than waffle-like. It's hard to explain, but I liked it. So there you yeah. go. Yeah. And you know, so you follow me oh. on Twitter, whatever. I posted pictures. They had painted miniatures and stuff. It was all really cool. So yeah, there you go. Anyway. So. Uh, 
I, I have one thing to add on here. Um, so the the board game cafe that's next there is called Car- Cardboard Corner? Cardboard Cafe, I think. Cardboard Cafe. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was there just a few weeks ago before you guys got there, and I went to see the World War One Museum. Yeah. And so I, I went in there and Your I said... Your picture was on the wall. They were like, don't serve this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I went in there and I said, do you guys know this guy by the name of Matt Peterson? And I asked a few, <laughs> a few players... And I asked the uh, the cashier guy at Cardboard Corner, and I kind of got I, and I started it by saying, "Are you aware? Do you listen to podcasts?" And I kind of got cool story broed by this guy that was working the counter, who had like n- not heard of Matt Peterson. <laughs> so I don't know. I was a little bit perturbed that that he's like, I kind of got blown off by this this dude. I don't. I have no idea what his name is, but. Um, you were hoping for like a discount or something? No, I just <laughs> I thought because it was a, there was a lot of people there, and I said, and I just uh, offhand chance I I asked people, do you guys know Matt Peterson? Is he here? And he wasn't there, but I got cool story broed by the uh, by the the dude at the cardboard corner. So Matt, you need to like throw your name around there a little bit and say, hey, do you do you know who I am? <laughs> what would have been funnier is if it was like he'd have been like, "Yeah, I know him. Fuck that guy." You know, just like, "Yeah, he came in here and just started talking shit or just whatever." Yeah, that would have been great. Or like, so, so, it's like, "Yeah, he married my sister. We don't talk about her. You talk about him. We don't mention that name in here. Get out." So, aside from dude, um, big ups to was it tabletop games and hobbies. I forget how, what the yeah, name is. Yeah, I think is. that's the name of the game store. <laughs> and Cardboard Corner. Big ups to them. I'm going to give a sideways thumb to to dude at the at the counter. Uh, so I, that's that's my 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 comment about that place. I mean, I dug it. It was it was kind of cool. And across the parking lot, there is a used media place that mm-hmm. has like DVDs. Uh, Records, cassettes, comic books, you know, cards, ex- uh, role playing, etc., etc., etc. So it's kind of neat. I can't think of the name it of it. It is. But I, I got my nephew some Backyardigans DVDs because um, my kids enjoyed them. And they're. Backyardigans. Holy cow. <laughs> I know. That. Okay, look. I hadn't thought about them in years until my kids started going, like, hey, Dad, look at this TikTok. It's people singing Backyardigans stuff. Backyard friends in Backyardigans. Yeah, so anyway. Still don't know what Uniqua was, but that's okay. And, uh, yeah, so anyway. Uh, Past that, (laughs) the only other thing I participated in was um, I went into the demo for uh, Great Campaigns of the American Civil War from uh, MMP, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get confused and say GMT because, you know, all these wargaming companies look the same to me. And, uh, yeah, it w- look, I again, this is another one that I grasp. You know, I was like, okay, um, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I understand what you're talking about. I understand how to move these and stuff like that. And I found that fascinating because I freaking love maps. And the maps are super detailed on these. And I'm like, hey, I want to move from here to here. And the guy's like, 
well, is there a road there? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit, there's no road there. He's like, well, that's going to cost you three, son. I'm yep. like, oh, damn. So you actually had to, like, look at it and go, like, oh, man, okay. You know, so it's actually kind of difficult to move your guys. You know, you can't just go willy-nilly, just like, wee, Leroy Jenkins, I'm coming over here. So you actually had to think and plan, and I really like that, especially the scenario we were playing had some um, rivers, fords, whatever you call it, you know, where the the uh, uh-huh. Confederates were trying to cross over, and we were trying to hold them up, and yeah, just really neat, and I really dug it. The only thing I didn't quite get was, like, how the the combat and the modifiers and stuff worked. But whatever. I'll, you know, kind of... I'll, I'll figure that out. And I actually ended up winning a copy of Atlanta is Ours. And yay. I mean, number one, that's like a $150 game. So, yay. Um, and the other is, like, um, it's an intro into the series. Because I was actually looking at buying it. And it kind of gave me an idea for a stupid, you know, Gen Con thing. All right, you know, guys, know how I do. Like, where I'm like, you know what would be fun at Gen Con is if we did, like, a, uh, you know, Mall Madness or Mystery Date or something game with, like, a $100 <laughs> buy-in. All right, so in Atlanta is ours. There is a scenario on the Chattahoochee River. So my thing was is... Uh, two people, or whatever how many people that play this scenario out, you have to play the scenario while Alan Jack Alan Jackson's Chatta, song Chattahoochee is blaring out of like a boombox on repeat. And, you know, you can quit at any time and the person that survives the longest wins. So, there you go. That's my dumb oh, idea. I was... I was thinking about the song. Um, me and somebody saw you and Billy Joe throwing something off the Tallahatchie Bridge. Uh, that's Tallahatchie Bridge. Tallahatchie. So, <laughs> yes. So it's. Well, actually, I'm not Southern, so I guess I've I've failed the entrance it's, exam. It's the basic game scenario is this: number eight is crossing the Chattahoochee. It is takes six turns. Johnson retreats from Kenshaw Mountain, and the Sherman breaches Johnson's line, covering the bridges. And the fords of the Chattahoochee River. So you have, Al- and I'll have this linked in the show notes, this awful song. Alan Jackson's Chattahoochee has to be blaring, and you're trapped in this room. And, you know, it's, it's like, you know, if you put, take your hand off the car, you lose. And the last person touching the car wins. <laughs> so that's that's how we do it. So, I don't know. Just a dumb idea oh, I had. Hatchie Bridge. Tallahatchie. Uh, Ode to Billy Ode Joe. Ode to Billy Joe, yes. There it by, is. Uh, right. Who sings that? Is that, um, oh. uh, damn it, I can think of her name. I don't know. I'm, I'm on the Wikipedia. Bobby Gentry. Yes, Bobby Gentry. All right. So past that, uh, uh, Rich. A favorite you? daughter of the landmass between Mobile and New Orleans. Yep, it is. Uh, Rich, what you been playing? Well, I also went to KC. Um, no way. and. I, I know. See you there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was weird. Um, like we already said, I I spent most of my time playing Next Door Asia, um, so that was it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. I played uh, the Allies defending Taiwan, so I spent 
you know, I sort of helped out the Korea guys because those guys were newer. I checked in with the Vietnam guys because, you know, we had joint interests sometimes. Um, but mostly I just played next door Taiwan. So we played for the entire time. Um, we did play, let's see, I think I played one other game while I was at the con just because we were waiting for the Korea guys to catch up on their turn. And we played, uh, it was a little magazine game called The Battle for Galicia. 1914 um and it was fine i mean it was a little world war one game just you know push some counters around and um we didn't we didn't even finish the game we were just we played it for an hour or so um just enough to sort of see what it was it was fine it was a magazine game it was nothing mind-blowing or anything but it was a fun little time killer and then uh we also went to the cardboard cafe on our sort of on our way out of town. We went there to look around and had lunch there before we left. And, and we picked a game up from their game library uh, that I played with my girls who were with me and we played uh, pandemic reign of Cthulhu. So if you have played pandemic before it's, you know, the mechanisms are basically the same. There's enough tweaks to give it some Cthulhu theme and everything. It was pretty fun though. I mean, we had a good time. We enjoyed it. Um, it was it was kind of funny though because we were you know we were almost looking at the rules saying did we do something wrong because this is too easy we're going to completely easily win this game and then like the next turn we lost the game you know <laughs> so it just it all got out of control very quickly but we were I at the point where game. yeah there were there were three of us and like i was i had the cards to win the game but my daughter sitting sitting to my uh right we lost on her turn so we were one turn oh. away from winning when we lost. So, I mean, that that's that's a good game, I think. We enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. And then uh, some of the games I've played, not in KC, but I played Irish Gage. Have you guys played that one? That's the one where the railroad nope. or is you, you use uh, whiskey bottles as track? No. No, you could. But I was thinking it was all crooked because of It's actually... Drunk. It's a cube rails game, which I've been wanting to play one just because, you know, my family likes Ticket to Ride and I like 18xx games and I'm trying to bring them over toward 18xx. So cube rails are kind of in the middle of those. You know, it's it's a little more involved than Ticket to Ride, but it's definitely not an 18xx yet. So it's a game. It's it's made by Amabel Holland, but it's not a Holland Spiel game. Someone else publishes it. But, you know, you, you've got railroads and you get stock in railroads and you try to build the build them out you can get stock in other people's companies as well and it's just about making as much money as you can off of the railroads before you run out of time so it was a lot of fun i enjoyed it quite a bit it plays quickly i mean i think we can probably play in an hour or so so i'm sure that's something we'll be playing again ah. and then we started gloomhaven back up uh, my wife and my youngest daughter and i we started playing that one again we i think we're going to start playing that one regularly especially as our Middle child goes back off to college and we're, you know, just the, the three of us looking for something to play again. Uh, we all enjoy it. So we just basically restarted the campaign and I've done the entire campaign and my youngest daughter, I think she's done the entire campaign too. So this actually be the third time I've played all the way through it, but it's still fun. We have uh, characters in that game that we have unlocked, but we haven't had a chance to play yet. So it's a little different every time you play and we're going to do that one again and mm hopefully finish it up around the time that Frosthaven comes out, which I guess will be next year at this point. Awesome. I yeah. did and end then, up getting it on um, Steam, but I have not played it yet. So. 
Yeah, and it's it's fun on Steam. I mean, it kind of scratches the itch, but it's it's best on the table. So, um, and then I restarted with uh, the friend we were playing earlier this year, historical ASL. We've been playing the Red Barricades, the the big Stalingrad campaign game. We played that for a while earlier this year, then took a break for a couple months because work was crazy for me. We picked that back up as well, and we're we're back into that now, and it's just. It's so much fun. ASL is such a great game. Historical ASL takes it up even another level. So we're currently burning down Stalingrad while my Germans try to advance in and take out his Russian conscripts. It's, I mean, even playing online with him, you know, there's multiple times a night where we're like yelling in, you know, in joy or in frustration because of mm. a die roll or a combat that, you know, it's just, it's, it's that fun of a game that even online, we're still like, yes, you know, <laughs> I love it. So I love hearing and, your joy about it. Yeah, I love that game. And then so while we were in Kansas City, I also went to the World War One Museum. I know you said you went, Roy. Uh, did you get to go to War Remains? I did not. No, okay. it was sold out. Yeah. And so then, I was lucky. Adam, enough, did you I, do that, too? Nope. Didn't make it. In time. I think I oh, think really? maybe you were the one that told me, you know, make sure you get tickets weeks in advance. I'm really glad that I did. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it was like, I don't know, when I first got it, um, I think it was, I don't know, twenty five, thirty, thirty five dollars or something like that for a 15 minute thing. And it's not that much money. But my first thought was, I hope this is worth it. And I was the only one that did it. Uh, the kids didn't do it or anything, um, mm-hmm. but it was definitely worth it. I mean, it was really, really cool. Uh, it was not one of those things where I ever like, you know, got the panic attack because I thought I was in danger or something like that. But I mean, it's a full VR experience. You look around and you can see, you know, the entire sphere around you. There's some things in there that you can reach out and touch like something's hanging down. And it's just, it's really, really cool. I mean, it's cool to see like a World War One tank, you know, 10 feet in front of you driving past and gets hit by a shell and explodes and all that. So, and then Dan Carlin narrates the whole thing. So his voice is always good to listen to oh it's like butter yeah i know (laughs) i keep telling my wife (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think it's the only time i've ever heard dan carlin for only 15 minutes usually i sit down and listen him for four hours so (laughs) um but yeah it was really good and just i mean it's just really amazing it's it's not photorealistic i mean it still kind of looks like a video game but it's mm-hmm. good it's not as good as like the current video games you know like if you i don't no. have a gaming machine but like if you've got a gaming machine you know and a modern game or something the graphics aren't that good but they're good and mm-hmm. i can only imagine that oh, as the years go by it's just going to get better and better so so did you 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 made it to the world war one museum adam did you go there too or no no you didn't I, make it i did not make it okay time. All right. So rewinding a little bit, uh, Rich, what were your impressions of the World War One Museum? I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I think to me, the, the best part were like the artillery pieces, the tank that's there, the planes, getting to see those actual things, you know, mm-hmm. right in front of you. That was the best part to me. OK, right, so I was looking over that tank when I was there and I'm like, well, this it's pretty cool. And then I look around the, the, what is it? It's the left flank. There's yeah, a gigantic kind of hole in it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's kind of cool. Cause I showed yeah. my girls, I'm like, yeah, you can see right where that tank got hit. And then you can walk around and like 30 feet away. You're like, this is the kind of gun that hit it. So it's yeah. pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. I enjoyed it quite a bit. 
When I was and there, the crater was, was neat too. Did you see the crater? That was kind of behind it there? Kind of behind the tank, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there was basically a room you could go into that showed, you know, the big artillery pieces, like what the size of the crater that they made. So you could go in and like stand at the bottom of this crater. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. When I went there it was very hushed, it seemed like. Like there was there was a lot of people there, but most people were not there was i mean you could hear people talking but it was yeah pretty quiet yeah i think that was kind of the attitude there it's it's interesting i mean as a war gamer we always we're always sort of cognizant of that i mean we're celebrating is maybe too strong a word it definitely too strong a word but remembering or taking part in or i mean we're always always remembering that these things that you are bringing back to mind are causing countless numbers of deaths yeah and obviously world war one you know i mean uh what was that i mean the total death to toll of so world many war other... one was something like 80 million or something like that oh, wow. which is insane yeah if so you include that... all the civilians and everything and that was the fusil at world war ii also right exactly yeah yeah, it so, wasn't a uh, which what? lit the Cold War, which you know lit the war on terror, which you know, so it's yeah, yeah, we're good at continuing wars. <laughs> How did they describe it? It was like we don't have a um, something. It it's like this isn't peace. We have a twenty-year armistice or something. And sure enough, World War Two kicked yeah. off almost twenty yeah. years later. Oh. Yeah, they said that at the Treaty of Versailles. They said yeah. it's not a it's not a peace. It's a twenty-year armistice. Wow. So, uh, speaking of Armistice, uh, we have a sponsor. We have Mike <laughs> at, at alterdimension.com, which kind of sounds like Armistice. And um, there you go. He can print out your stuff. I emailed him a couple months ago uh, wanting to get some skeletons done. So, uh, I need to check with him and see where my skeletons are. And, uh, yeah, but he'll mail yours right to you if you want them done. Any STL file you might have, and plus he has his own stuff. He has licenses to print other things, and, uh, yeah. And you can use the discount code COG2019 to save 20% off your order. So, there you and go. And you people in Denmark, they'll ship to you also. Mm -hmm. So, there you go. The Dutch. Anyway. So, on to what's on your radar. And I hope this is the right button. Yeah, it is. I just have to remember to like turn it down because it really like shows up the thing when I do it and yeah it's the whole thing. Ah, right, so there you go. The first thing we had is Dadgum. It's been a month, so I hope this Kickstarter's still going. Oh yes, with three days to go, which means by the time you hear this podcast, you may have one day or two days, possibly if you're lucky, to get in on Squeaks in the Deep tabletop role playing game. It is a source book for Pugmire and Monarchies of Mao, which is the... You're going to have to explain what that means. Pugmire and Monarchies of Mao. Pugmire is the, is the anthropomorphic dog RPG, and Monarchies of Mao is the anthropomorphic cat RPG. So you have Squeaks in the Deep, which uh, puts mysises and rodents and six new rodent callings. It says two new species for people to portray, rats and mice, and six new rodent callings, including psionic rules. So you could have a psionic rat thief that's doing something in the deep. So, there you go. 
I just thought, you know, this is kind of crazy enough that you should know about it and perhaps play with it. I don't know. So five people submitted and backed it at 300 bucks. where you submit a photo of your pet that will be put into the, uh, into the game. Oh, that's cute. You know, and uh, let's see, past that, let's see, nope, just retailers, and then, yeah, kind of a combo thing. Yeah, I own Monarchies and Pugmire. Of course, you know me, never got them to the table, but does seem kind of cool. I know I picked up uh, Pugmire based on a uh, artwork of a Corgi thief they had, and I thought that was, like, you know, kind of really neat, so there you go. And Corgis are always funny, no I, matter what. They are. I have, yeah. I have one. I have Roxy. She's, uh, we rescued her a couple of years ago, and uh, yeah. She's a great dog, except <laughs> she does not like thunder. So. No. She came, right. she came that way, and I kind of think that, yeah, it's kind of a you know parenting kind of thing. It's like, you know, if, when thunder happens and your dog is like concerned, if you make a big deal about it, they become afraid. I don't know. Well, now wait a minute. There was you posted on Twitter a, a video of the some kind of well, it was the uh, the storm that knocked out your power. Then we couldn't record that one time. Yes, yes. And you had the one dog that's like, eh, whatever. It's it's all good. Oh, different big, dog. The big black dog. I guess. Yeah, maybe that's Lolly. She's my uh, she's a lab mix, and yeah, she's a okay. great dog. She's like the smartest dog I've ever seen or had. So she doesn't soothe the other dog? Uh, she what? She doesn't soothe the other dog? Nope. The other dog, it freaks the fuck out and has to get, like, underneath you. It's, oh, it's all the, right. That's well. the corgi. It's like, she will <laughs> seek you out and just kind of just sit under you and just shake and pant. Oh. Yeah, Lolly doesn't care anything about the thunder or whatever. She's just like, meh, whatever. <laughs> she's like, hey, all right. she's a fetch machine. She will fetch until her heart explodes, if if you want to do it. So it's just like in the middle of a thunderstorm. She's got the ball. It's like, hey, can we do this right now? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's thundering, it's lightning, and whatever. So, all right. Anyway, uh, the next thing we had was um, a guy on Roll a One, a, ga- a war gaming blog, did a little article rundown on Saga Second Edition in six millimeter. And I think that's really neat. I love smaller scales. But I don't want to take a smaller scale figures and play more of them on a larger board. I want to play smaller figures on a smaller board. That's kind of like how I did it. Like this particular project this guy did, he did the total number of figures is 2,474 on 324 bases. So each base containing between three and ten miniatures, depending on type. And it's just a kind of a conversion of the Saga 2nd Edition rules down to, you know, just six millimeter. So I kind of... So is it literally just a matter of changing, like, distances? Yeah. Or is there more to it than that? That's pretty much it. That's all you do. And uh, it's, I mean, it's nothing really new, but it's just kind of neat to actually see it done uh, on a larger scale, you know, quote quote-unquote so i mean i this is something i'm actually interested in doing in the future and doing because uh, i have a bunch of saga stuff and in 28 and uh i think it would be fun to play on like a two by two 
playing area, and uh, yeah, I'm just a fan of six millimeter. So anyway, just gonna toss that on there. And the next thing we had was a Kickstarter for the first African wargaming convention. You got oh well. Yeah, you're not going to be able to see. You'll see this. Is, it'll be finished by the time you see this. Because as of this podcast, it has 34 hours left to go. And uh, it takes place in Nigeria. I'm assuming no princes are involved. And I'm trying to see what the big pledge is. Ah, there's some $500 ones that uh, some, some backers have done. You can get a gaming hall named after you or your company. Wouldn't that be cool if you're liking the chance of gaming hall? That'd be cool. People are like, can we game in there? I don't know. There's a chance. So, <laughs> so uh, it'll be linked in the show notes. Uh, the next thing was Devil Among the Tailors. And I, I'm fascinated by pub games or just kind of ancient games that have followed us around civilization, you know, and uh, just kind of been in the background that you've just heard of or seen like in an antique store like well what the hell is that and whatever anyway is this one thing uh, this strange little game called Devil Among the Tailors which is a pub game a form of table skittles it is nine small skittles and these are not talking about the candy right no hmm. these look like bowling pins sort of arranged in a three by three square usually with a shallow open top wooden box sitting on a tabletop a wooden ball about the size of a golf ball hangs from a string or chain and the aim of the game is to knock down the skittles by swinging the ball in an arc around the post rather than aiming directly at the skittles so have you guys heard of this at all I've I have heard not of heard of like it this. yeah no it's just interesting. I mean, I've seen this. I've seen them in like uh, antique stores and stuff like that. So just kind of interesting, and, you know, and just being weird and tabletop and whatever. I swear I want to play cribbage one day because I keep seeing those mm. uh, nice cribbage boards, you know, hither and there. So anyway. So I have seen, a, I don't know if I'd call it a game, a pastime at a bar wherein they had a... It was a string and a metal ring and then a hook. Oh, yeah. It yeah, was yeah. on a post. I so like you'd that. swing the... Okay. Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of just more of a, a pastime that once they get it on the hook, everybody goes, yay! Uh, yeah, that's true. It's like, yeah, drink more or you won't, yeah. be, able, won't be able to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a, a place over by where we like to whitewater raft uh, has that up and it's always interesting to try and do it or watch people do it because it seems like damn near impossible. But yeah. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the next thing we had was a Kickstarter for Avatar Legends, the role-playing game. Have you guys seen Avatar The Last Airbender? Man, I know Some what it. it is, but I've never watched it. I gotta say, it's really, really good. Uh, if you have kids, I thoroughly encourage you to seek it out and show your children this fantastic cartoon. It is absolutely amazing. It's damn near perfect. And it's just, yeah, awesome. And uh, apparently they're turning the whole world of Avatar into, and of course the sequel, which was Legend of Korra, into a uh, role-playing game. 
and which I think will be kind of pretty cool. It's in it starts out in kind of a primitive. Um, I'm trying to think a level of technology, probably somewhere around medieval uh, area. It's I don't know. It does kind of get steampunk in some areas, like they have steamships. But um, there are four different nations. There's the air nomads there's the water tribe there's the earth kingdom and there's the fire nation and they have benders people that can channel those particular elements and uh yeah so it's just kind of a source of conflict when the fire nation tries to take over the world and yeah I mean, I absolutely love the characters in this. It's so well written, so well done, and just amazing. And yeah, highly, highly recommend this cartoon. And, Is uh, the show on Netflix? Uh, it has been, uh, for sure. Let's see. It's somewhere. Uh, where is it now? Seems like I had seen it on there. Yeah, Netflix, I mean, it has Hulu, been. It's probably streaming some... Uh, looks like it is on... I'm clicking on Netflix. Oh, yeah, it is on Netflix currently. Okay. So, yay. Um, I thoroughly encourage you to uh, watch it. It's freaking fantastic. Do they have all books? Yes, they have book one, two, and three. Book one is 20 episodes. Book two is 18. Book three is 16 episodes. And that's it. And uh, the sequel was a little hit or miss, in my opinion, and uh, Legend of Korra, and so there you go. But uh, this is definitely one I'm going to get for my older kid for um, since she got into role-playing and she loves this series. I'm definitely going to uh, pick this up. Although I don't think it's going to deliver in time for Christmas. Let's see. when Does it say when it will? It'll be, uh, you got until September 2nd, and as, okay, <laughs> all right, we haven't even gotten to that, that part yet. So, as of this podcast, they wanted a measly 50 grand. Currently, as of this podcast, they are up to $3.9 million with 24 days left to go. So, it is an immensely popular IP, and, um, yeah, so... I highly recommend the cartoon, and you should definitely take a look at this to see if you wanted to get it. Let's see. Uh, PDF, I can get everything for 50 uh, I can get the core book, all stretch goals, hardcover core book, all PDF rewards, and all physical stretch goals for 75 That's not bad. I'm trying to see, like, what... I mean, if it's at $3.9 million, I mean, shit, how much stretch goals could they have left? Um, dadgum, they have blown through all kinds of stuff. Uh, let's see, where are they at? Uh, the last thing that they have not done is the extended play booklet. A saddle-stitched 8.5 by 11 softback booklet containing the digital playbooks and an NPC legend unlocked during the campaign. That will be unlocked at the $4 million level. So, there you go. It's really cool. Highly, high, comes with my highest recommendation. I'm sure they'll stick that on the um, Kickstarter like later this week, once this episode posts. They'll be like, Adam Chance, Chance of Gaming. My highest recommendation. So, I think it's going to be on the inside cover. Uh-huh, absolutely. It'll be on the front cover. 
friends about <laughs> Wow, let's not get too crazy. Uh, the next thing we had is something that I found, and it is Twisted Dice Towers on Etsy, and he does reproductions of old school dice. And I thought some of you might like it. As of this podcast, he currently has none available for sale. So you, you know, you can bookmark it and click on it and wait for it to come back. Um, I wasn't into role playing back then. So, however, I have seen a lot of people's ancient dice, you know, their well worn dice and whatever, you know, with the numbers aren't even filled in and stuff like that. And so. And this guy sells reproductions of them. So, there you go. Um, okay. Like, if you, if you scroll down, you can look and see, like, the customer, you know, photos and stuff. And it looks pretty neat. You know, they, it just reminds me of the ones, at least I've seen. So, mm-hmm. there you go. I just remember the, the dice out of my uh, basic set were pretty shitty dice. So, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Let's he can make it look like crap but still be durable maybe <laughs> maybe that'll do all right uh and the last thing we had on what's on a radar is combat storm which i forgot i owned a copy of this rules until i saw a facebook ad for it it's basically miniature rules for plastic army men so yeah you're you can buy two entire opposing armies for what about five bucks mm-hmm I mean, although cool. I, I can't think of the last time I actually saw Army Men for sale. I don't know. Maybe it was in the dollar store or a <laughs> gas station, but yeah. I'm sure you can get a bag of them for five bucks or something. Surely, surely Amazon has some too or something, you know. Anyway. So we may have brought this up before, but years ago there was an article in Dragon Magazine that was Army Men versus Plastic Dinosaurs. and had It was an article that had a full, like rule set for doing for doing that so you'd have one side would be the plastic army men the other side would be the plastic dinosaurs and you could fight them together nice well okay what was it in firefly um wash's character was like played with them and he was like cursed or sudden but it oh yeah it's like this is the uh we're we're in paradise i will call it land and then it was like, oh, curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And if you want some plastic army women, you can get them from BMC Toys. Okay. Oh. Uh, we'll have this linked in the show notes, although I have to <laughs> click on this. Plastic army. Okay. They're, uh, yeah, they're army men go. with hit boobs and hips. <laughs> Basically is it. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. You can get 36 pieces, 36 uh, stuff, including like a dog handler. There's a wounded guy, a medic. Yeah. But they're um, not wearing like bikinis or anything stupid like that. They're just plastic army. Men. For they might be like the Israeli army. 1540. And uh, oh, yeah, it looks like they have other stuff too. They have, you can get regular army people and uh, looks like cowboys, Indians, Iwo Jima. Anyway, that's kind of neat. All right, cool. Okay, so on to actual news is all right. Is uh, yeah, what is this Kickstarter right here in the front? Right on news. Why is this news? It is news. Mouse Ritter or Mises? Because it it's coming soon. Um, I own a copy of Mouse Ritter because um, I'm fascinated by um, 
was that really cool comic book that came out? About it's called years? Mouse. Mouse Guard. Mouse Guard. Okay, okay. Yeah. you're right, though, Roy. Mouse is really good. I had to read that in college, and it's and really- M- Mouse Guard is a version of Torchbearer, I think. Or no, it's written by the same people that did Torchbearer. Yeah. maybe. They converted yeah. it over. Um, I have it too, but yeah, Mouse Ritter uh, is that particular, you know, flavor, and so it's mm-hmm. coming soon. I have it linked in the show notes, so you can click on Sword and Whiskers role yeah. playing. Yeah, I was looking for a new RPG recently, and I was considering Mouse Guard. It looked interesting, but I think we're gonna do something else. I hear it's pretty grim, as far as like yeah, yeah. Know, I think it's very much it's like anything. right. You're not gonna kill a cat. You, you, hopefully you survive. <laughs> hopefully. It's not at all cute and fluffy. Right. What if I rig up an elaborate trap for the cat? <laughs> just like where a cinder block drops on it. Like, yeah, that's from Mrs. Um, Frisbee. Take that, biatch. Yeah. Meow. <laughs> anyway. So, uh... On to uh, the next thing. Uh, there's a new campaign coming out for Bolt Action. It is Italy, colon, soft underbelly. So there you go. And I was trying to think, uh, let's see, Italy, the uh, collapse, that's still kind of mid-war, isn't it? I think it's end of mid-war, because Italy is gone well, by, by late war. I mean, the government was, but the Nazis occupied them, you know, up until at least after D-Day. Okay. So they were still they were still fighting for the Italian landmass, and at least in in the summer of forty four. The landmass um, between the, Spain and India. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the Italian government might have been gone, but they the Nazis still held the ground. Okay, I, that makes more sense, I guess. And of course, this will have just new uh, army list and stuff like that for it. So this is kind of. And uh, they always do a really good job with their campaigns, in my personal, humble opinion. And so Warlord will actually be at Siege of Vicksburg in October. Well, so, so interestingly, I see that there's a Osprey as an imprint on this also. Um, yes, and I don't quite get that. There is definitely some, um, what do you call it, um, not parasitical it's uh symbiotic relationship between warlord and osprey games oh i right. think osprey prints the rule books for them but um uh, not quite sure maybe they are secretly owned by the same company i don't know but yeah it's yep yeah, it's on there for some the, reason the the lizard men that control the world mm-hmm. That uh, the the lizard men Illuminati that control war games. Yeah, that's it's, it. It's a very small niche in the lizard men government. It's very small. <laughs> it's that's where it's probably made up of those Geico lizards. That's how small it, it is. So, yeah. hmm. Speaking of army men, like two stories ago, there are the uh, Star Trek Nano Force army men that are coming, and I think they're amazing because they are cheap. They look to be, just from the pictures, about the same quality as the ones Morpheus is selling for, like, $65 for, like, 8 But uh, for these, I can get a whole freaking bag of them, you know, 
Uh, you could get a bag of Borg. Yeah, a bag of Borg for like, you know, 10 bucks or some shit. No, let's see. It looks like, uh, let's see. The ships are like 25 bucks. Eh, it doesn't say how much the bags are, but I'm just going to assume they're cheap. Uh, each of the Star Trek Nano 4 sets are out in November with each box running for 25 so 25 for a box of these dudes a bag a box of bag of Borg and they are gaming miniature quality quote unquote they have 12 figures two inches tall one starship model and one 11 by 17 fold out map for display use for 25 bucks so damn that's really good in mm-hmm. my opinion way cheaper than the uh Modifius, uh, ridiculous, expensive stuff. You, what you could do is get a Kirk figure. You get two Kirk figures and paint one. Go T on one of them and make them fight. Ah, uh, true. Or you could actually paint a um a goatee on one, so it's like evil Kirk and. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Make him kiss or whatever. <laughs> now, ki- now kiss. So um, yeah. So there you go. Uh, let's see. The next thing we had was some normies over at the Atlantic want to talk to us about the colonialism in our board games. So awesome! And I love how the uh, and this normies. comes from this is an article in the Atlantic entitled "The Board Games That Ask You to Reenact Colonialism," and uh, this is July twenty second, twenty eleven, and the first one they drop is Puerto Rico. It's been out forever. I mean, it really is. Uh, I mean, are are they just shitting on it because it was like, oh yeah, they are, and it's all of this is possible only with the help of a resource that the game calls colonists. Yeah, represented by small brown disc in the game's first edition. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't. And they're kind of trying to say, like, well, those are actually slaves, and yeah, I don't know. It's I and they they are, but it's a little late to get shitty about it. They yeah. are, but it says colonists, though. <laughs> yeah, which I yeah I I don't know. It's I don't. I always when I ever I play Puerto Rico, I always kind of make the point like colonists, really? Yeah. Don't you mean mean you know slaves? Okay. Prisoners with jobs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I've never, I, I never thought about like the the time period or anything with it. I mean, it is weird that they're bringing out Puerto Rico out of all the the different ones you can because there are, I mean, damn, there's um, what was the one by Hollandspiel that actually deals? Oh, with, the uh, one about slavery. Yeah, that actually deals yeah. with slavery. You know. And, um, I mean, there are some other stuff. It just seems really weird. It seems like they were like, well, hmm, I'm contracted to write an article, but with the Atlantic, and they were I'm just kind of looking at... I'm 100% looking sure that's what it is. They were like looking... Puerto Rico came out 19 years ago. Yeah. Do your fucking research. Well, they yeah. said, okay, they do mention Spirit Island on 2017 is one of the few flat-out anti-colonial games on the market in it. Right. Everyone takes around the table takes control of a primordial deity who is languishing on a fictional island that is under siege by European settlers. So, I didn't know that. That's actually how it works. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's what the game is. So basically, in my opinion, the Atlantic can pound sand over this. It's like, oh, I agree. I mean, I'm 100 percent sure that Adam is right, that, you know, they just had to write something. And this is probably sitting there until they had a slow month. (laughs) They've got another one sitting in the drawer somewhere. Did you you know that people actually play as Nazis in games? (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, The next thing we had was High Moon Press to delete all PDF titles and give away print products. Daniel High Moon of High Moon Press has emailed previous customers to say that on September the 1st, all the company's products will be taken offline and not sold again. Until then, there's a sale on drive through RPG and print zines can uh, be had at Gumroad. So I just wanted to take a look at this and see if there was anything... So from... why? I mean... He says... <laughs> My mom says that I gotta get rid of all of it. <laughs> I don't know. But he, does he just like hate trees or? <laughs> uh, see, I've reached out to. Daniel got this to... new technology that lets us keep things up to date and not have to print a bunch of paper and mail it all, <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> uh, it says I've reached out to Daniel to ask why the only co- clues come from Twitter, where a designer talks about needing space and donating any remaining print editions. That's it. My, my mom needs space more space or, for yeah. Precious Moments collection. But if you need space, why do you pr- delete PDFs? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to see if there's <laughs> anything I recognize on here. Um, I don't offhand. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kind of flipping through. There's, yeah, I don't, I don't know any of those. Or, yeah, so... Oh, no. Games like the journaling through hiker, the Ioun Codex, and Gold bestseller OBE hardboiled armies for D and D fourth edition. Already then. Let's see. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea why it does, but yeah, that's what he wants to do. Yeah. So, in related news, I'm selling all my Vassal games. Just so <laughs> you can buy all my Vassal games from me if you want. Hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, the next thing is um, there is a change.org petition to boycott GW products until they release their grip on fan made material. That'll so, do it. I put this on here. Games Workshop, I guess, has been getting a little shitty with um, fan. fans making materials that, like, there's several YouTube channels of people that have done animations for... Um, yes, it's animations and fan art that they, yes. they actually came after. So they they went after those people and they said, you either shut down or here's an opportunity to maybe work with us because they want to open up their own, uh, I don't know, app, streaming service, something like that. Oh, yeah. So basically, they... they're, they're calling in their, their intellectual property saying you can't you can't use it anymore. And look, I just do not understand this at like at all. I mean, I, I get why companies, you know, do whatever because they have to defend their copyright, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But to come after people like making like artwork mm-hmm. seems weird. You know, it's just they're just making artwork, which I think is legal, and I. Yeah, I don't know. It's just very strange. It doesn't make any sense to me. Now, the animations... Uh, I 
I kind of see because they're like they're coming out with their own cartoons and and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know. It just seems like they're just a stupid company that does stupid things. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and I guess the other thing about it, and I'm not entirely sure about this, is that they're. Um, I don't. It seems like Games Workshop makes a buttload of money on their models. Oh yes, I mean, make no mistake, they make every single year. It is more and more and more profit. So you know, and and it doesn't. Right. And it doesn't seem like that those profits really trickle down to the you know the wage slaves that that put in the time. No, so, uh, there actually was a Twitter thread recently that talked about how they deliberately did some shady things in order to uh, not pay their managers and stuff. You know? Which I'd seen that too, but I did not post it. But yeah, that's another part of it. So I don't. I guess make your own decision about whether you want to. Uh, boycott Games Workshop or not. I mean, so it's, I don't know, it's, I mean, I used to sing that tune for decades, and the reality is, is people just simply get too invested in it. it it's like Richard said with ASL, you know, he, he's got all this ASL stuff, so if you imagine, you know, um, Kurt Schilling doing some stupid thing, like, you know, a normal Wednesday, and he's like, oh, shit. It's like everybody's calling to boycott ASL. So what am I supposed to do? You know, I have $6,000 worth of it. You know, I can't just, you know, get rid of that or stop playing it. So people kind of end up stuck with it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is. And, uh, yeah. Anyway. So, um, hmm. I want to say that about brings us to the end, right? That's the end of the list. Is it? I'd gone for a month out. Didn't seem seem like we had more. I don't know. Because we... Uh, we had... need to talk more about uh, uh, Siege of Vicksburg. You barely mentioned it. Well, uh, that is true. It's just not that much going on. It's, except I need to, I think, add up my vendors. And I think I'm really close really? to being sold out with them. But I don't know. So when is it? Uh, the second to last weekend in October in Vicksburg, Mississippi. You can go to okay. vicksburg.org. Do you have uh, scheduled events? Or um, you just show up and... Show, well, yeah, I mean, we're Leroy Jenkins in this. You know, it is open gaming, but I am putting together uh, various tournaments and stuff, and you have vendors to buy shit, and we'll see how this goes. Please, COVID, go away. <laughs> Please, FDA, FDA uh, you know, uh, pass that whatever you need to pass for the vaccine so we can make people get it. And, um, yes, the numbers will go down and shit will be nice again, hopefully. I don't know. Get vaccinated. Stop being a wanker. <sighs> yeah, it is. It's a whole freaking thing that I don't like. And, um, yeah. So, damn, I was going to say, oh, yeah. I forgot to talk about Mike Denson at, uh, <laughs> at Historic Casey Fest. He made me fucking laugh. It's like, all right, like the first day where everybody is obeying the the rules of no outside food and drink because the convention center has a little cafe and they're selling it, stuff like that. 
Well, they opened late, shut down early, and didn't even open the next day at all. So people right. were like, Fuck. And at that point, all rules were I off. I know. People were like, <laughs> fuck this. So I look over, and Mike Denson is like doing demos of um, Last Hundred Yards. And reaching under the table and like drinking Bud Light that he had a cooler of. <laughs> <laughs> it just made me laugh. I mean, because the, the dude's like 70-something, you know, and he's like, I'm just going to drink and play war games, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he talked to me about Siege of Vicksburg, and it was just funny. He's like, you think there's going to be people there that'll play my game? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. He's like, I don't know. He's like, well, do a poll. See what you can find out. And I'll come down. And I'm like, yes, sir. You know? He's just, just funny. He was like, imagine like you're, you're, um, tough, firm, but loving grandfather who also designed a, a board game, a, a war game. Your and, uncle that's also a biker? Yeah, that that's Mike Denson. It's just, I think he's really cool. He's definitely, right. he's definitely a character, you know, and he is someone, if you encounter him at a, um, mention or whatever you should seek him out and sit down with him talk to him and uh, play last 100 yards and I Bud Light is his beverage of choice I swear I think I saw that cooler open and there was Bud Light in there and there was a bottle of wine and something else but I don't know there you go Maybe. that's that's how you get in his good graces you yeah. you bring him bring him a brewski so oh Richard who who took home the shine and the uh, the gin? By the way, I'm just curious. I think Chris took that. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, damn. That's right. I made a couple of friends at um, historic Casey. Shine, as in moonshine? Yeah. Somebody made moonshine. Well, I, it's bought. It's. I wanted to bring some alcohol produced in Mississippi. So yep. I go to the liquor store and all I can find is like Cathead vodka, which I hate. So I skipped that, and there's Cathead makes gin too. So I'm like, eh, I'll try it. And the guy seemed to like it. And there was this other thing called Kiln Shine. And it's made in Kiln, K I L N, Mississippi, where a uh, known welfare cheat um, Brett Favre is from. And um, yeah, so there you go. Oh yeah, if you guys didn't know, he defrauded the state of Mississippi by umpteen million dollars, and uh, yeah. Anyway, once so you get classic. over a certain level, they don't care anymore. Oh yeah, it's like Stalin said, you know, uh, yeah. one, one death is a tragedy, a million deaths is a statistic. So yep, there you go. It's, <laughs> it's paraphrasing something like that. So, so if you stab somebody, you got to stab what nine hundred ninety nine million more. There you go. Yeah. Uh, anyway. 999,000. Sorry. <laughs> Math is hard. So Stabbing is easy. Yeah, it is. So I guess we'll wrap <laughs> up. And uh, we'll see you uh, next time. Good night, everyone. Keep your stick on the ice. That's, Good night. That too. Wait.